This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 781, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you who are washing their hands, wearing their masks, getting vaccinated, and doing the best they can for other folks. I don't know how long we're going to keep saying this. Probably a while longer. Walking through a crowd, the village is aglow. Kaleidoscope of loud heartbeats under coats. Welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 781. I am Josh Flanagan. <laughs> and this is my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. <laughs> we are iFanboy. We are collective, apparently. We should do this whole show like Grodin. Just... I don't think I have much else to contribute to <laughs> That's that. That's okay, it's enough. It's enough of a tribute. We are iFanboy, and every week we read a stack of comics. One of us... Well, he just really wanted com- those chorizo and eggs so badly, and he, he was all in for the description of it. He wanted to know yep. everything about it, and he could afford a tea. And tea. I, the whole time you were talking, I was trying to decide if it was any point in explaining that joke, if it was just for people. Not even a joke, We really. talked about it's it on the just, media explode. Listen, get involved in the whole ecosystem. <laughs> this, this is our awful marketing. <laughs> Listen, you weren't paying attention a year and a half ago, so why is that our problem? Enjoy the show. We read a stack of comic books. It's not a physical stack. It's honestly, it's a list of digital items. And one of us picks the one they like the best and call that the pick of the week. We're going to talk about that book. We're going to talk about other books from the week. We're going to talk about the patron book. We, patron book? <laughs> patron pick. We're going to answer some listener mail if we have time. We will give out patron powers. We will probably at some point go, man, we're going way too long. <laughs> All those things are going to happen. We're going to have a good time. It is your spoiler warning now. Mm-hmm. You've had it. This week, Connor, you had the pick. I did. And here's the thing. Nightwing number 80 is the pick of the week. 879 was the pick of the week as well. Throughout the history of this show, there have been several books in which there have been several consecutive picks of the week. I know we've had some lately. And I think, you know, we had Hellblazer and we had... Um, Beta Ray Bill. There's been a couple of series where they've been consecutive picks of the week. I think there's two reasons for that. One is there's not a lot of great books out there at the moment. There's not a lot of great books at any given time, really. So, you know, you get a lot of scalps, you get a lot of Ultimate Spider Mans, you get a lot of Captain Americas. And, you know, you go back to the history of the show from the beginning, I get there's like, you know, Queen and Country and Gotham Central. Those books are constantly being picked as pick of the week powers. So it's just, it is what it is. The only difference I think now is that there's like two of us set of three, so the chances of me getting Nightwing is much higher than it would have been if three hosts. I'm just giving you the, the backstory. You're justifying. Well, I'm just saying, you know, people were, were making fun of it, but the point is like... Were the older boys making fun of you? Rubbing yeah, your face they in were. the were. They were. Jerks. What I thought was, are you just all in the tank for this because of what it is? And if so, I can't, I can't blame you. You know, like... It's, it's a great the thing book. that makes you happy. And it makes me happy. It, look, this probably won't be a long conversation. We just talked about this book and all the reasons why this is Pick of the Week was why it was Pick of the Week last time. Although there are more elements in this, in this week's issue that I really enjoyed. But, you know, it's going to be the same story. It's Tom Taylor writing a terrific Nightwing and the characters around him. And it's Bruno Redondo, again, who, who I know drew at least portion of Injustice, but for me it's sort of come out of nowhere. Yeah. And been terrific. And then the Adriano Lucas colors and the dot pitch style they put over it. And then the, you know, the aping the style of uh, David Aja or Aya. And it's all working. It's all Mm -hmm. working really, really well. 
I mean, this is a complete comic book. I'm wondering if this was like Booster Gold, if you'd think of the same thing. There's obviously an emotional element to this. There's a bias. And that, that's fine. Yeah. We recognize the bias. We go with it. And I, I'm going to back you up. I think bias is a harsh word. I think there's just an emotional element. If it's your favorite character done really, really, really well, you're going to like it more than if this was a book about Ambush Bug. That's literally what a bias is, though. I don't know if that's... I mean, bias is such a negative connotation, though. It doesn't... No, it's not. It's just that it's it's tilted in one direction. So the deck was already stacked to a certain... Uh, it's not It's not negative. It's, it's you know, you were leaning this way, so it took less force to get you there. And I, and I think that I would agree with you. Like, it's a very good book. I like this book. I think there's a lot... It's one of those ones that the more that we talk about it, the more that... Um, you know, it, it's I can see lots of things to like about it. I didn't notice any food problems with this issue, which helped a lot. I didn't notice either, which was good. Yep. Do I love it? Would I have made this pick of the week? Probably not. But it's I don't have the same I don't have the same sure. attachment to and it. And that's the wondrousness of the show and the pick. And, and this, you know, this isn't even just a thing that happens between you and I. This happens with, between the readers and us. And as long as we're upfront about it, I think it would be ridiculous viewers. if you were like, "This is the best book ever." No, but I think you know, this, this is I think like, this is my favorite book being published right now. And and listen, I was all in for other books to blow me away and be like, no, I'm the pick. And that would have been great. Mm-hmm. There were other books I was hoping that would happen. It didn't happen though. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about what it was. What was special about this issue? Let's start with the art. I love the color. I love the brightness. I love the cover in which well, we didn't talk about this before, but the choice to use hot pink as the accent color, and it's even in the logo, is kind of inspired. It's not a color you associate with Nightwing in any way, shape, or form. It does give you that sense that he's, you know, like, out on rooftops at night. Yeah, it gives you sort of a neon pop sensibility. It's the highlight color on him, but it's also the color on the, the logo and and the uh, company logo. It's an inspired choice, because it also pops. You know, there's no other covers colored quite this way you'd think they'd go for red because the guy's heartless that's the villain but it's pink question because just so that i have a chance to get to it is heartless an existing character we know about no this is a new character okay that's all yep so last month you know nightwing is now a billionaire he went to go spread the money around amongst the the less fortunate people of bloodhaven bought a bunch of them pizza he bought one of them a father and a son a hotel room and on their way to the hotel they were accosted by Heartless, and Heartless took the father's heart. So now the police are calling on Dick because he was the last person seen, plus the guy <laughs> had a hotel under his credit card. Then you get the absolutely adorable scene where he calls Barbara, and she says, Miss me already? And I just was like, oh, yes, I'm in. And then she gets called back to the apartment. She's only a block away, and they say, so what is your relationship to Mr. Grayson? And that leads to the forced conversation about what are they, which I loved. That was my favorite panel in the whole book, by the way was the silent panel after that. What are you two doing each other? And Dick exhales. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was, was great. She's kind of pursing her lips at him, like she's thinking. Oh, I even... <laughs> That's true. It's not pursing like disappointed. Hmm. I'd also like to point out, which hmm. I didn't even notice till now, which should have made this automatic pick of the week, is that Dick Grayson's coffee mug is Adam West holding the bomb. <laughs> wow. If they were like, how can we put Connor over the top here? <laughs> right. And then, and then I, I'm guessing. No, I don't know. Wait, has Tom I, Taylor talked to you? Did he go back, go to research for what to what I'm to just, do for this book? I'm saying between like the team got together and they were like, <laughs> we got to do this comic book. We got to sell copies. They're like, sure, sure. And then the one guy goes, well, hold on though. Let's talk about what really is the point. Do you know this guy Connor? And the one goes, is he the one? Yeah, yeah. Scott talked about it. Oh, right. Okay. And 
we got to get this guy in the tank. Well, how do we do it? Well, first of all, we do a really good story and we make it about Dick and Barbara and yeah. then their relationship is true. But in someone, then it was actually it was the colorist. He goes, hold on. I, this is going to sound crazy, but yeah. I think I know what's going to happen. And, and what happened was, and they put it in there and they were like, this is a great idea. And they all knew it. They knew, yeah. they knew it was a home run. Yep. And then what happened is they're listening now. Like they're listening to Hey guys, how you doing? Sound of her voice. And disappointment was setting in. I understand. Because you hadn't led with that. You hadn't said, uh, it's pick of the week because he put Adam West holding the bomb on the cup. I just now saw, I sent an overwhelmed coworker that just, just this week at work. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you can't, you can't get, get rid, rid of, of a bomb. bomb. So then the next uh-huh. page, you got a cutout of the building as, and they're in the elevator. And then Tim Drake shows up who, you know, to me is Robin right now. I mean, obviously, Dick is the best Robin ever. I don't care what anyone says. Well, yeah, but Tim Drake is the best person to be Robin now. Yes, absolutely. So I don't care about the other guy. And then I laughed out loud because at the last epi- issue episode, Dick was pickpocketed by the street toughs. Mm-hmm. And that went out over the Bat family text chain. And so mm-hmm. Dick, Tim shows up and hands him a wallet with a chain and says it's from Bruce. <laughs> so, that, <laughs> so that the kids can't steal your money again. And then as added bonus, you confront a soft metal band from the early 2000s. And I literally laughed out loud. It was, it was, a, it was a whole page dedicated to, to the soft burn. Yes. <laughs> it's pretty good. And then, you know, good. then you get a nice team up with the brothers of, and he calls him his brother, of Tim and mm-hmm. Dick as they investigate the, the crime. And, they, you know, Barbara's in, is in the Oracle mode. And, and Tim wants to talk about Barbara to Dick. And she, he doesn't realize that Barbara's on the comms with them. And that was funny. And then, you know, they have a little adventure in the thing. And you get terrific... Work from Bruno Rodano. There's a great panel on page 16 here, Digital Reader, which Dick's standing on a power line and the shot from the bottom, which is a great angle. And then, you know, team up fight. And it's just, it's Good a great shoe. book. It's a great book. It's a great superhero book. Yeah, it's, it's exactly what a Nightwing book should be. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I like is that it feels current, I suppose. Mm-hmm. It's it's doesn't like it feels like these characters have grown to a certain extent so that we're not reading exactly the same thing we did when Chuck Dixon was doing it if that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like it's That felt modern. very much of that time. It's, yes. Great book. I love those But it's books. the same feeling. It just you know what I mean like it, it's it's that it's the the um illusion of letting the characters develop and mature when they haven't really but it's done really well. I suppose. It's like they're a year older than, than earlier. And especially for longtime fans who this character's had a target on his back for years. And they haven't really done a lot of exciting things with him. This has just been a breath of fresh air. He had a spiral on his face. Is that what you meant? Yeah, God. I mean, I, I, I love Seeley and, and King, but... Did you read all of that? I read all of it. You didn't even need to ask that question. Well... I didn't dislike I mean, sometimes... the book. I didn't dislike it, and there was occasionally good issues, and um, sure. the art was good, but I just, as a concept, take yeah, his name yeah. off of it. It was a good spy book, but like, it just didn't make sense uh-huh. for Dick to do that at all whatsoever. So Nightwing 80 is the pick of the week. 79 was the pick of the week. 78 would have been the pick had I had the pick that week. Look, this is, this is the way it is right now. <laughs> Someone else step up to the plate and beat it. Well, that's all. I was hoping it was going to be Fantastic Four Life Story number one from Mark Russell and Sean Isaacsy. Isaacsy? Isaacsy? Yeah. Isaacs? Isaacs. What we have to do is commit to something and pretend like we know what it means. Sean Isaacs. I'm going to say Isaacs. Move along. I Nolan think Woodward kind of work. And Joe Caramagna. Joey Cara. <laughs> Should we call him Joey Onion? Joey Oranges? Because isn't that Cara Orange? 
No, he's he's Joey Donuts. Joey Donuts. Okay. Like that's that's definitely who that's his mob nickname, Joey Donuts. So this is the next in the life storyline. We had the Spider-Man life story book last year. That uh, mm-hmm. Chip Zdarsky yes, yes. and, and I forget. It's sort of Superman's new identity for Marvel. It's these characters put into a timeline and then they age for real and we follow them through the decades. So this is the 1960s that's not issue. Superman's secret identity. Secret Identity is another person. No, the book Superman Secret Identity was about was a it was Superman aged through. It doesn't matter. The point is, wasn't the Kurt Busiek one the Superman Secret Identity yeah, where he it. was? He, yeah, he, no, no, he was a whole different person. He was yeah, but he Clark was Kent, Superman. But, he became Superman, then he aged throughout the book. Mm, the point mm. is, it's a book in which a character ages throughout the their whole lifespan. Yeah, and That's we and point. we we actually follow the if their origin was in the '60s like it was in the comic yes. book, same year, so 1961 here. Right, so this is the '60s, of course, for Fantastic Four, and it's it's a slightly different Fantastic Four. You know, there's a different relationship with Ben Grimm, and there's a guy who's not Doctor Doom, who's their nemesis. Um, what is his name? Ricardo. Uh, Doctor Ricardo. Ricardo Jones. Doctor Jones. <laughs> Doctor Ricardo Jones. Which was weird. Yeah. I was a little ways through it before I realized that this was the same as the other book, or at least the same sort of Premise. theme. Yeah. And and I liked that. I went, oh yeah, that was a, that was a fun book and sort of uh, this could be anything. I thought has have we seen Mark Russell at Marvel before? I think so. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, maybe, but maybe like a one shot. Certainly. Yeah. Didn't, didn't he mini. do? Doesn't matter. I don't know what I was expecting. I really enjoyed it. I don't think it was amazing. I really liked the the setup for it. I suppose you know how how like there was a problem with the space race you mm-hmm. know and they needed somebody which is what happened by the way 19 1961 the mercury program is not going well right you know kennedy was was very close to probably canceling it so in this world he would go ahead and bring in this other guy to happen and it would piss off to whoever dr jones is and then you've got <laughs> it was funny though is that the way that they launched off was like a midnight raid right. where they found some guy that johnny knew to fly the thing and and it wasn't like you have they were the super like expensive friends. experimental craft johnny knows this guy he's at the bar we don't test him we don't we don't check into it we just trust johnny i love it i i love it i love the also i'm a big fan of the way that the characters were drawn yes uh 1960s ben Grimm. well look looks, at page 10 look at those costumes you can't beat those fantastic four costumes they are perfect yeah they're pretty great yeah, perfect. it was uh, it was a heck of a lot of fun. It was Mark Russell without being very much Mark Russell, but still very good. I mean, he was there. You put a gun to my head, I wouldn't tell you this is Mark Russell. I don't need it to be Mark Russell-y every time. I, no. I, I, and he's shown he can do compliment. degrees of it, but I thought there'd be a little bit more of his of his sort of pointed mm-hmm. stuff. But maybe there doesn't have to be in this story. That's okay. We don't know. By the way, the, the Dick Cavett scenes were spectacular. That was my favorite scene, actually, where they, they were on Dick Cavett talking about everything. I mean, he can write a strong <laughs> Dick Cavett. I don't know how much call there, I don't know where you put that on the resume. Listen, but you put out a Dick Cavett comic book and you have Mark Russell write it. Josh uh, and I will read it. Yeah, it's going to be golden. That is a fact. No you one's going to call it a shitty Dick Cavett comic. You will sell six might copies. Be and it will be me and Josh and then Dick Cavett's family. Well, we get press copies, but still. <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't buy them. We'd read them, though. Oh. So I liked that when they go into space, Reed basically sees a vision of Galactus. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was scary and it was foreboding. I liked that bit. Death is on the horizon. They're not going to be able to do anything to stop it. And then, you know, the, the relationship with Ben is much more fraught. You know, the original Kirby Lee stuff, it was like, you know, they changed. 
which but by the way is a horrific scene in that original book if people haven't read it like when they yeah. sort of mutate into their powers it's like they're really scary and then they come back to earth they basically become superheroes right away here it's like they come back ben's like fuck all you people i don't even know you and now i'm the rock guy and he leaves mm-hmm. you know mole man is the big you know the big moment they're heroes again so there's like a there's like a lead time between that and then uh, after mole man he bails out again you know he just sort of comes and goes yeah. with their lives. So that that was interesting, and I just you know like I've read a lot of these origins of these characters, and this was a slightly different but interesting take. You know, mm-hmm. like it you know it does what this is supposed to do. Right. It's not reinventing the wheel, but it is. It's not. <laughs> it's not reinventing the wheel of reinventing the wheel. If that makes sense. I'll tell you what Doctor Jones is not good at is uh, is is pretending to be somebody else. I'll tell you what Doctor Jones is not good at is looking not evil. Right. Well, yeah. It's, it's very clearly like, a, what are you trusting this guy for, President <laughs> Kennedy? Look at him. I understand that having a shaved head could connotate evilness, but I just, you know. It's the glasses plus the shaved head plus the, the vaguely sinister smile. The shaved head in the 60s, for sure. Look at this. He's got the smirk on his face and his, his face is half in shadow. If you are smiling at somebody with your face half in shadow, you're evil. I just like that he pretends to be Ben Grimm and he's like, not even trying. It's like, hello. <laughs> fellow scientists i'm mr burns <laughs> when radiant black 3 came out we said specifically on the show we will not talk about every issue of radiant black that being said radiant black number four well kyle higgins Marcelo costa and when i finished reading it, i was like fuck we're gonna have to talk about it again exactly and <laughs> and i thought what's funny so all right let's, i don't want to give it away because i don't think this is a book that a thousand people are reading but maybe at the end well of it, the thing like, is oh i don't God, i don't you know i don't buy I can, it we can talk around it yeah yeah so character dies Mm-hmm. And it is a fairly surprising thing. Yeah, I think we have to talk about it. Yes, we have to. There's no way around it. So spoilers. We gave you the spoiler warning, but this is a, a like we said, you're probably not reading this. If you're interested at in all reading this, skip this discussion because this is a, this was a genuine surprise in this book. I know. Imagine that. Yeah. So the main character, or who we thought the writer guy who we've been talking to the whole time, was killed with some finality at the and, end of this issue. And then Styles takes over. Yeah. And, and I and I thought, well. I didn't see that coming. It was uh, starting to come into a very familiar track. I mean, I'm 50-50 on it. Okay. Because, I mean, they, they did so much to build up this character, and it could have been the classic swerve. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's definitely not not dead or not dead. Oh, I think there's a it's, they're dealing with some unknown cosmic force. I'm just saying he could easily be not dead. That's all I'm saying. I would respect it either way. Yeah. If he's definitely dead, I would respect it 10 times more. Yeah, but I, I'd almost I, I, th- I think that the medium, the genre, demands at some point that the characters step back out of the shadows as being alive. I don't know how you do what is at heart like a reinvention but faithful roots comic book. Mm-hmm. And in that scenario, that guy always comes back. Yeah, I just think it would be it would be super interesting be if it evil. didn't. But I think I, I, I when he, when I finished the book, it's like wow, I did not see that coming. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily believe it. That's that was my reaction after re- finishing reading it. I didn't think that. I mean, because I, you know, the fact is everything I just said. Who knows? Because the guy can do anything he wants to. And if you're writing this, which is funny because it's about a writer, you're weighing that. You're going, all right. So what is the thing that is the best story point? Is it to bring him back? Is it not to? Do I just not worry about that right now and eventually it'll come to me? That's I figured that's probably where we are. Also interesting is that the reason why this all happens is uh, he is inside. Like So this guy, we've talked about this book a lot, but in case this is your first episode, this guy, Kyle Higgins, Darkhawk, whoever you want to call him, gets this little 
miniature like black hole comes across it one night after drinking with his buddy Styles. It goes to his body and gives him these powers. He gets you know the suit appears around him. He's got these powers, and he's been trying to communicate with it in a very greatest American hero kind of way. That he doesn't understand the suit, doesn't understand the power. So finally, in this issue, he is able to communicate with whoever it is that's given him the powers, and they they say basically there is a force coming to Earth, definitely not called Galactus. But it's coming to Earth and it's going to destroy everything unless you're willing to do what needs to be done to stop it. And this dude is basically a good mm-hmm. guy. And he's like, I'm not going to kill. And so like, okay, see ya. And the power leaves him and goes to Styles because Styles says, yes, I'll kill. I thought that was a really interesting moral situation because we've built up this dude as a good guy, basically. He wouldn't steal money even though he was dead broke. He wouldn't you know, go against his, his morals. And the, the basically that's not good enough. And I thought that was interesting because you don't normally get that kind of thing in these comics. It is. And and also from the beginning, like the guy wasn't really set up as a sympathetic character. He was kind of a loser. He was kind of, you know, he was self-absorbed being writer. I think he was that good at it. I might right. be rejecting. But, <laughs> you know, you didn't I, I don't know that we had a lot of material like we had to learn like, oh, he's, he is actually quite moral. So that which is a very superhero thing to do. So they, they sort of work backwards on it and then they shot him for it. <laughs> just yeah. terrible. Uh, listen, I've enjoyed this book. I'm, I don't know why I feel like I need mm-hmm. to say it in an apologetic way. It just it's just been interesting. It's taken some swift, some ter- swifts, swifts and swifts. That's the words. I don't think about it as apologetic, but I am surprised by it. I mean, it is a it is a thing that's clearly based on Dark Hawk, which I don't find all that interesting to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, by a guy who's a good writer, but isn't really my kind of writer. Mm-hmm. You know, and at the beginning, it was a kind of tired trope, like this is a guy who's a writer who can't make it. It's like, none of these things should be interesting, but I am still drawn to the book. And then at the end of this one, they surprised me. Yep. It says something. I think that you got to give them a lot of credit for keeping me on my toes, because this seems like the book that I would have run away screaming from and I keep coming back and I, I see that it comes out and I'm like, oh, you know, and now I'm going to be really prepared to be surprised. Maybe it's bad now. I don't know. Like, oh, it's just a regular issue, but it's cool. I like that. I'm, I'm surprised and that makes it fun. Yeah, I liked it. Again, mm-hmm. similar to Radiant Black, we just keep coming back to the scumbag, number eight, Rick Remender and the art this time by Alex Rigel, who I didn't love as much as the other artists have been on the book. I didn't really like it as much, but I find myself liking the book and the character more with every issue. You're not wrong. I think at first you were, you know, you, you, the first issue or two, you're like, what is this? How is this? You know, and it's that whole setup it's thing. Very one note joke. Yeah. Now as we get going, you know, he Remender has re- like this is this is a Remender book that I'm really interested in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a really flimsy, dumb premise <laughs> that he had legs for. Yeah. And it's funny, and you know what? It's it's not unlike Transmetropolitan. In a way, yeah. In the way of the the cur- the main character is someone you wouldn't want to spend time with in real life, and it's kind of yeah. annoying and an asshole, but ultimately but does, does the right thing and isn't necessarily wrong. Like this guy's a little bit more wrong than Spider Jerusalem sure. was, but th- we actually get some layering here. Yeah. First of all, we find out that his hot hippie girlfriend is a robot, so that was devastating for him, and they still didn't get to have sex. I I just love that as a running joke. He keeps getting. So I really close. thought because at the beginning I thought. Oh, this time he is going to have... Nope. Because you had pointed it out. I hadn't noticed it. (laughs) He's naked. She's naked. They're in the bed. It's about to happen. Red alert. That's a funny recurring joke. Then we find out a little bit about him. And it's not unusual. I'm not groundbreaking his childhood. He had a horrible dad and he had a mom that didn't care. And there was a lot of booze and drugs in the house. And there was one really 
terrible bit where they, he said his dad, his friends gave him uh, heroin to just to, heroin. to laugh at the results. And that was really, fuck. You know, we learn a little bit more about him. And he, he's, he's slightly more sympathetic. It's interesting to see, like, there's a couple of ways they could have gone with the origin. Mm-hmm. Like, it could have been, you know, grew up in the suburbs and his dad drove a BMW. And, right. you know, like, there's all sorts of things they could do. And I think the thing that was most obvious here is the thing that kind of worked. Yeah. You know, and then, and then you learn more about the lady, sister, whatever, sister Mary. And I don't know, man, it's treading a line. It is. It's it, treading it, a line really well that is not falling into sentiment or cliche. And he said at the beginning, this is a not a respectable character. He's not going to be redeemed. And so you keep watching and you expect it because that's what happens in stories. And so like he leans you towards it and then leans you away. But they've given you a reason for him having to do the right thing. And it's because he wants to have sex. You know, just, just it, someone. That's, just someone. Let him have sex. It's, <laughs> and he can. And then, you know, like the end, the sort of last three pages, what uh-huh. happens you know, is great. Talk about Radiant Black and you really want to read the next issue. I'm very excited to read yeah. Back 9. The whole plot here was that the super hippies on the moon who are super, like characters of super woke people are going to blast this ray at Earth and make everyone like them and no one will ever be offended ever again. And instead of that happening, the scumbag falls into, the, into the juice that now everyone on Earth is going to be like him. Planet Ernie who was the scumbag. <laughs> And I, it got me. I was like, well, hell yeah. <laughs> like, I really, I was ready for the next one immediately. It, it, this book gets better every time I read it. It's, and yeah. and I, I really like that. And it's the remainder that I have been wanting to read for a little while. It's it's, it's remainder Unleashed. And it's silly. Yeah, but it gets to be funny in some of the well, books. He's, a little, like, he's, he's been really a little pissed funny. off since the show got canceled. And he's sort of letting that out on the page, which has been good. I'll take it. Yeah. I will take it. The Flash 770, this is sort of a detour slightly into War Corner, which is a place we haven't been in a while. Well, Even though we have, we just haven't called it out because we forgot about our own bit, which will happen. There's a lot of bits. You don't have a producer. You're on your own. This is the story of Wally West being bounced around time. He went back to the dinosaur age. He went to the future and was in Impulse's body. Did you read this? I think I read the first one, but I didn't read. I think I forgot yeah. to keep reading it. So on this issue, he is he shows up in Jay Garrick's body during the war, and has a fun little adventure with the Golden Age Ray character, who are on a special mission to go behind Nazi lines. This is very similar in overall plot to the JSA cartoon we just talked about. The Nazis are trying to find mystical artifacts, which is something that Hitler really did, and here they find this the Spear of Destiny, and the Flash and the Ray are fail in their mission to keep the destiny spear out of the hands of the nazis the nazis get it it goes to hitler who becomes superpowered and that's when wally shows up in the body it's like oh fuck hitler's got superpowers <laughs> shit and so then they have a they have an adventure to save the day and that's what they do and then at the end of the issue because every issue ends on a cliffhanger in which he jumps to a new body kind of like quantum leap and the artist for the next issue draws it on this issue he jumps into the reverse flash at a meeting of the injustice society Drawn by Kevin McGuire, looking a lot like the cartoon Super Friends. It's like that mm. era. Purple tunic Lex Luthor and Riddler and Solomon Grundy and Scarecrow. So looking forward to that issue. This is a fun book. Is this the third issue since the relaunch? Yes. Or the second? Third. Okay. First issue was Dinosaur. Second issue was Impulse. Third issue was Jay Garrick. Okay. So you've enjoyed this. Yeah, it's not great, but I've it's yeah. been fun. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. I'm not loving it. That's fine. But yeah, I, I, but every issue has been enjoyable. And look, oh, that was that was a fun little romp. This issue is probably the best one of the of the three. So normally at this point in the show, what I would do is say, if you want to support the show, you go to Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. But you know, after the show we've done so far, I don't know that I can, <laughs> can in good conscience tell you to go over there. Oh boy! Unless you like the bit about the Batman mug. I mean, that's what you're going to get. Yeah. In fact, more of that. More Batman mug. It's, I mean, we love that shit. So mm-hmm. I just have to hope and have faith in the fact that, that you guys who are still along with us now are like, oh, there he goes in that Batman mug stuff. That's great. Let me give them an incentive to become patrons. Okay. So okay. this past weekend we had a patron hangout, which is our monthly hangout with the patrons. Last year we did it for everybody during the, during the super lockdown, but now that we've used that, we've put, we made it patrons only again. So you get an hour hangout with me, Josh, and Ron, but you get a two-hour pre-hangout happy hour with me and special guests this week none of the special guests could make except for gordon for half an hour so i was alone you held court which means i drank way more because i got nothing else to do and i just did q a with the chat room which was super fun and they got me to go on a drunken rant about the state of the batman comics and that's the only kind of content you're going to get if you if you're a patron is to see me go on a drunken batman rant about the state of the world and batman comics and how upset i am about it I'm not going to tell you what I said. You have to become a patron. You can go watch. You can become a patron and watch the old videos. They're all archived on the site. Huh. But that—that's the kind of thing you get as a patron. I mean, it was drunken rant. You got me wanting to get involved in that action. I was right trying now. not to go off on it, and then I went off on it. I mean, who, it, it, they're just baiting you. <laughs> so get over to Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy if you like this. The deal is. Hey, I like this thing that they're doing. I should support them because, you know, you should support the content that you really appreciate. Not just us, anybody, but it really helps when people support our stuff. So you can, uh, the way that this works is they've unlocked all sorts of stuff. Patron pick, the talks blows, the books blows, the media blow, the YouTube content, the patron powers, all of the stuff that have become very normal things in the, in the iFanboy world is, is literally because of the patrons coming and sticking around, too. So sticking with it. <laughs> <laughs> which is a feature of the patron pick, which is ironic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's going to be a patron? Yeah. How many stars did you give it? Four. You sticking with it? Mm. Yeah, maybe. There's other stretch goals. We'll figure out what those are going to be. There's also the patron Facebook group, patron Discord server. So if you want to have that old community feeling back, those are really good places for it. You can go to ifanboy.threadless.com. There are eight designs there now. We should have others at some point soon. I broke my phone case today. Uh-oh. So... I need a new one. You know, my phone case was the Snake Eyes Alone cover. Right, yeah. And it's yeah. my favorite phone yeah, case I've ever had. Yeah, well, I, I dropped my phone several times yesterday, and that was it. <laughs> Just kept dropping it. So I might, maybe I'll get one of ours. Maybe I'll get a GDAT phone case. Oh, maybe. Yeah, it's good stuff. You can go to iPhone.com slash support. You can find a PayPal link there if you don't want to deal with any of that stuff. If you want to get something from Amazon, or you want to get one of the books that we talk about in the Booksplode or, or whatever, we would very much appreciate it. If you went to ifamor.com slash Amazon, you'll find a link there. Mm-hmm. I think I'm done with that part oh, of you're the done. show. Okay, great. I think we're all better off for it. Did you read Wonder Girl number one? No. Okay. Joel Jones, Jordi Belair, Joel Jones on art and story, Jordi Belair on colors, Clayton Cowles. Uh, I don't know what to think about it. Her Infinite, was it Frontier? Whatever that was. Miniseries was okay. We both read it. Remember, remember it was like the Cerberus. She went to hell. Kind of. Left no memory. In. That's fine. I, I kind of remember because I, I read it at the last second before. Yeah. And that's okay. kind of what we're dealing with here. Like, it looks really good. Joel Jones is an incredible artist. 
it's interesting. She's Brazilian. She's coming home to Brazil, a place she didn't, she didn't really grow up, and uh, ends up running into a situation there. There was some fun character interactions with her on like a tour bus, but mm-hmm. ultimately it was kind of confusing what was happening and kind of mm-hmm. all over the place. And I'm going to give it a couple issues solely for the strength of Joel Jones art, but I didn't love it. I was hoping to love this too, but also didn't, didn't love it. So well, it's enough. Mm-hmm. I bet it looked good. It looked great. Beautiful. Runaways number 36. Well, I'm still going to bring this up when I can, because I really enjoy it. It's another one of those ones that when it, it comes up, Oh, it's your semi-annual rent runaways discussion. Yeah. Rainbow roll still on it with, uh, Andre Genale. Chris Anka still doing covers and so much of this issue was two people having a conversation the first bit is basically so Chase is dating Gert she gets left behind in time then she returns to them but he's like 21 and she's like 16 mm-hmm. which would have been fine in the 70s but isn't okay now <laughs> and it shouldn't be just just in case you're taking my flippancy to be it isn't yep. so he's like well I'm gonna finally go talk to this girl at the Hallmark, it's called. So uh, Chase, by the way, definitely has a body type he's into. And I'm totally cool with that. Mm-hmm. And then he, he, he talks to her, and he's very happy, and he comes back. And then Gert is back, but it's future Gert, who has aged herself to the same point where he is now. And he's like, oh, man, what do I do? And so they talk for a really long time. But at the same time, present Gert, who is 16... Uh-oh. has been going to school and she has a huge conversation with Victor who's the Ultron robot boy. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is this conversation and I didn't even notice till it was over because it was incredibly compelling character stuff. That's good. It was great and it was sort of time travel, Michigas, and then young Gert comes in and finds old Gert uh, making out with Chase and it's like, oh, and they see each other and then the, so then she's with Victor. So it's a whole love quadrangle. Well, that is a total... Love triangle when it's you and yourself. Yeah. Daredevil 30, Chip Zdarsky, Marco Cicchetto, and Mike Cawthorn, as it's been for a while, as Marco Cicchetto draws the electro bits, and Mike Cawthorn draws the other bits. And I still like this book. Even though I'm Matt's being, a, being like a total Matt, being a martyr. And they're trying to get him out of prison. Even the cops who arrested him were like, hey, do this thing and you'll get out of prison. He's like, no. We'll stay in prison and brood. I like the Electro bits a lot. That's what I like. Yeah, I kind of, I don't know. Like, it's not bad. It's good. It's all the things that I've liked about it so far. The writing is strong. I want this part over, though. I, <laughs> I feel like, you know, we've done. This is the reverberations of the first issue of this book. So this is 30 issues mm-hmm. of this, basically, the story of Matt's guilt about accidentally I, killing It's not that even dude. that. It's not even that. It's the, the prison thing. I think the I think it's dumb mm-hmm. that you get tried as a superhero and then he's in there with his mask on. And he's in the hospital bed, and I'm just. He should at least be in superhero prison, like the raft or something. Something. It's just that mask probably just, smells I just real want bad. It over with. I I do like the Electra as Daredevil part and watching her sort of come to terms with whatever it is. And this is, it's a scary bullseye who's coming back, you know. Mm-hmm. But really. You know, 40-ish years later, we got Matt Murdock, Elektra, Bullseye, and Kingpin. Yeah, well, that's, you know, no. that's comics, though. They got, no, I know, I know. I just, I don't know. Art's great. Story, you know, like, that's not my favorite story, but it's good. You know, I like the characters. I like the cop guy, Cole. Yeah. The hand's coming back. I <laughs> really enjoyed Kingpin working out with his trainer. And Kingpin's, like, super upbeat right now because his Sun's back alive. Yeah, totally. Was. He's got also also great stuff going on. 
And I think he thinks he's complimenting the trainer. Kinkman's a super rich, super powerful guy. And, you know, the trainer's not. And he's like, you must be as happy as I am being a trainer because you found your... Th-. And you can see the guy's face. He's not He's not happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was funny because he's totally oblivious to this dude. I agree with you on that front. And then later when everything goes bad, that dude takes the hell off. Oh, yeah. Like he's not... paid enough for this. That's good stuff. Shang-Chi number one, which is the third number one of Shang-Chi book in the last six months. Yeah. We had the miniseries. Was the movie supposed the one to shot. come out already? Or was it like, I don't, was it, it delayed? Like, I'm were sure. all these Every, comics supposed was, to come out? Everything yeah, was delayed. Yeah. Well, like, was it done? Probably. Okay. So, well, there's, there's a lot of post-production. Anyway, so the first one we had was a miniseries. Then we had a one-shot. And now we have what I suppose is another, well, I don't know. This is Marvel. We won't know until the next issue if it's a miniseries or not. But Gene Luen Yang is the writer, as he's been on all of these. And uh, I'm sorry, DK Rowan, who's the artist. I think he was the artist on the regular book as well. I believe, yes. Yes, yes, yes. The title of this story, not the book, is Shang-Chi vs. the Marvel Universe. And it looks like every issue he's going to team up with somebody who he might run into in the movies. So in this uh-huh. one, he teams up with Spider-Man. The next issue is Captain America. But I thought this was fun. I didn't love it, like, but I, I did really enjoy it. I thought he and Spider-Man had a fun dynamic because they have a somewhat of a history. Yeah, I thought that was the fun part of it that connects it, but it was a little, I, I found it a little annoying. It was like, stop talking about it. It's fine, don't. And I was like, come on, you're the head of the giant martial arts crime syndicate. You know, just come out with it. <laughs> Marvel's into really badass young girl characters. She was annoying. There was also one in Daredevil as well. Yeah. No, I know, I know, but it wasn't badass. It was just... Annoying. It was. Uh, well, it was like uh, kill you. Yeah, That's I like the right. one in the. Um, I think there's one in the Iron Fist book. Yes, yes, the Larry Hammer book. Yeah, the Larry Hammer book. I like her. That one's fun. I like Dinosaur Girl. I don't like this one. Marvel likes it. I like Teen Lantern for some reason. So maybe if you're annoying, but you have like a like Spanish diction, then it's. Okay. I just, I thought this was a fun. This wasn't great. This is. I thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. The art was good. I actually think he draws Spider-Man the best of all these characters. Mm-hmm. It's the longest that I have ever read a run of Shang-Chi issues. One issue? I can tell you that. No, but like, you know, like if, you, if, you, if you take out their stupid renumbering, mm-hmm. you know, we're six or seven issues in or something. Right. You know, I, I think I would love for them to make Shang-Chi really compelling. I'm not saying he's not. I just never read a lot of Shang-Chi comics in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I would be surprised if he was any. I, I think I could talk to Yang about this on my... I don't think he was a super interesting character. So they sort of have a, a you know, yeah, 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 exactly. So let's do something with it. I'm hopeful hopefully they can. So those are the books we're going to talk about. But if you're a patron over at patreon.com slash ifanboy, as we talked about earlier, you can vote to add a book to the rundown. Every patron can do so. This week, the overwhelming favorite was Red Room, number one, from Fantagraphics by Ed Piscor. Ed Piscor did everything in the book. That's his thing. This is a series that he started on his Patreon, and then Fantagraphics collected it. It's a 62-page story. Well, this is the first um, issue. It's, it's exercised. It's an exercised, complete story, which you can just read this one, or you can continue on the series. Yeah, it wasn't clear if there was more. I, yeah, it's actually, I, don't, I don't think there is more or not. I think there is, but I don't know. Actually, I don't know. Don't listen to what I'm saying. So what I thought was interesting is that I didn't know what this was other than like the cover sort of suggested old time gory horror comics, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, sensational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's very, it's very much like, it looks like a mad magazine. 
And his, his art style old. does recall that just in general. Like yep. his, his art style feels very old, old school. I didn't think that I would like it, mm-hmm. but I did kind of like it. <laughs> if that, if that follows could, because just because I, for a very long time, I didn't know what the hell was happening. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I had missed something, but it did pull it together in, in such a way that by the end, you know, and it, the end, it reached this, a stasis basically, you know, like it, it came to a point and, and I was like, Oh, I've had the whole experience. I know I didn't feel lost at the beginning. I was incredibly lost. Yeah. Oh yeah. It takes a long time for you. Like, what the fuck is going on? Who are all these people? Yes. Who are the people talking off camera? They all have similar names. You're a big hip family tree fan, right? I am. I like that a lot. But you know, yeah. that said, part of that is the history bit of it. I really yeah. just like learning about that stuff. Obviously, he's a super talented cartoonist. But when he went through and he did um, the the X Men and the Fantastic Four, Grand no, he Design did X Men, Fantastic Four, or somebody else. Oh no, shit. It was Tom Scioli, I think, the Fantastic Four. Oh, okay. I saw a cover for Hip Hop Family Tree at the Smithsonian when I was in Washington D.C. Wow. Five years. I mean, ago. he really hit on something there. Yeah, he went on um, Eisner for it. I'm of two minds of this book. So this <laughs> this book is called Red Room Number One, and it's about uh, red rooms, which are these basically live streaming snuff rooms on the dark web. And so we experience many of these live streaming snuff rooms, and it's basically like slasher porn. What is it called? There's a term snuff for films, it. Snuff films. I mean, you kind of. It's, just, it's I, like I the Saw know. movies. What are those? You know, there's a term for them. There's a genre term. It's, I don't know. It's my least favorite thing. You walked out of Saw. I did. No. No, I didn't. I, you I did. sat you through it, but no, because I went with a bunch of people. Torture porn. Torture porn is what it is. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So it's all you know. There's a lot of reveling in what is happening to these people in these rooms, and so honestly, this book made me a little nauseous at times. Yeah, and I'm not a squeamish I, person, and I'm not someone who. Get, but just it, it, it's just a little bit, like ten, like five percent, ten percent. I think that it's it's an interesting balance because on the one hand you clearly there's a there's an idea that everybody in the book knows that this is wrong you know but they're doing it i don't know no i don't i don't don't mean everybody i mean like the point of view of the book is that it's wrong and when you look at they show stuff from the rooms and the the comments on the side of the same kind of awful comments that you would see you know on message boards or on like like 4chan or something like that so You know, the people who are into it are the bad guys and the people who are doing it are the bad guys. And so the book is making that position clear. I well, think, everyone, the cops there. are pretty awful. The only person yeah, in this no, book who's exactly. not awful is the daughter of the of the guy that we'll talk about in a second. But at the same time, this is still what the book is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're watching a critique of the kind of people who would like a thing like this while watching what is this thing. It's not like anyone gets a comeuppance at the end. It's not like the bad guys lose. They're it's very they're in, easy. Comments. In fact, come become very wealthy, and it was it's hard. Kind of a happy ending. Yeah. By the end of this, I liked it more than I did about a quarter of the way, th- half of the way through it. I will say that I was like, I don't even know if I can finish this book. And then by the end of it, I thought, well, he is very good at making comics. The yes. story did come together, even if in a really awful way at the end, and I respected that. But, God, it didn't make me feel good reading it. No. I think, yeah, you have to really separate yourself from, from what it is and sort of look at... I mean, the craft won me over. Like, it's very good draftsmanship. It's very good. Like, the story came together as a thing and just sort of one of those weird 
reverse morality tales. And it goes, like, it, there's a swerve that's yep. just over halfway Unexpected. through, and you think it's going one way, and it's actually going another way. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you got me there. And, and you know, it's a very specific tone, and I think he hit all those notes really well. It's consistent. It is what it is. I think the intention was fulfilled. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's not my thing, but <laughs> I was impressed by it regardless. Hmm. How's that? Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I. Okay, tell you what. This. Are you glad you had to read it? No. 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 I think I am. I think there's no way I would have read this. And as a sort of exercise. In, in the kind of thing. Okay, so this is this is a, this is the first issue of a twelve issue story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not mad. So I read far. it, and there were things of value I took out of the experience. Overall, had I wished it had been another book picked, yes. Uh huh. Like I literally, I literally felt nauseous for about an hour after reading it, and then it went away. I mean, this is a useless term, but I think it was interesting. I had to think about it. I had to mm-hmm. work at it in a way. Well, what, what do I think about this? Like, where do I stand? And I'm still not quite sure. And there's value in that mm-hmm. in a way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, honestly, it sounds like I'm being like I'm hedging and I'm being wishy-washy. No, 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 I'm know. trying to work my way through it. You're not hedging nearly as much as I thought you were going to. Yeah. I mean, it's a good cartoonist. That that gets you a long way. He's an Eisner-winning, you know, in some ways legendary indie cartoonist. Yep, yep. And a fan of the medium. He's old school in a way that he would have fit in with Crumb, in, you know, in the 70s. You know right. what I mean? He is that type of comic. Well, I mean... Picar, he, he, he drew looks... American Splendor, you know, like yeah, he's exactly. that kind of guy. Who then did a really funny, awesome X-Men book. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I respect him as a creator. I just would never want to read this anymore. It's not my thing. Yeah, no, I'm not reading it. So it's neither one of us are sticking with it. Ratings, 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 ratings. Out of five. This is tough. Yeah, I mean, I have to... I'm hovering at three. And it's a, it's a, it's a soft three. I don't, I don't like this at all, but it was really well done. Yeah, that's the tough part. Does that like, make I want, sense? I want to give it a one. I want to. I mean, that's, that's your prerogative. That's but I, I respect that it was well made and well drawn, and the, the story went in an interesting direction, even if it made me kind of sick reading it. So I honestly don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Do you want to think about it and come back? <laughs> think about it, and then you forget to come back. It's probably the best solution. But uh, I'm, uh, Give it a number right now. Two. Give me the gut. Two. I have right, to. There we go. I didn't, didn't feel good reading it. Patreon.com slash ifanboy. Every patron can get a book to the rundown, but if you give it the $5 R level, you get superpower live on the show. Like these guys, like Tony Capo. Tony Capo should have been. Hey. He should have wrote in and been a patron of our Goodfellas Minute show. Because we, we could have done a good 10 minutes on that. Sure. Tony Capo's power is that not only are any of his shoes instantly broken in perfectly, which I believe is the power already given out, but he can also break anyone's shoes in instantly to hmm. a perfect perfect size like oh man i love these shoes but they're just slightly too too small tony capo's your man zap and the shoe is perfectly fit for your feet let me ask you this have you gotten some new shoes recently we've been in captivity for a year some of us are Uh going out to dinner this weekend in a restaurant oh my goodness 
And we're going to go get all dolled up. We're going all out to the nines. And I put on my my shoes that last worn at Ron's wedding. At Ron's wedding gave me an entire foot length blister from the top of my toe to the heel because they were so tight. And I thought, well, Uh let me stretch these out. I got a shoe stretcher and I'll wear them a little bit Uh every day leading up to this thing. It made no difference. These things will not budge. Tony Capo, please come over. And you're not you're not the kind of gen who'd be like, yeah, I'm putting on the suit, but I'm wearing my Chuckies. That's not going to be a thing for you. I could see a scenario where I would do that, but not normally. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Like there's a, there's there's a, there's a scenario I would do to that. Okay. No, so I'm gonna have to go to my second. My anyway, we don't need to get into my dress shoes. But the point is, yes. I mean, this, I, if you want, I'm ready to start talking about shoes. This was inspired by. Literally, I took the shoes off, and both of these outsides of my feet were bright red. Like, yeah, that's I, was like oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't go out like that. So anyway, that's no. that's it's not going to make it more fun. Yeah, he can just zap them and they're good. Okay, Fernando Carrion. Mm-hmm. You remember the film Wag the Dog? Oh, of course I do. Well, Fernando Carrion is a real time fad king. Oh, Dennis Leary. He recognizes fads. Mm-hmm. He calls fads. He can tell what's going to be a fad. He can suggest uh, the way to do something so that it will become a fad. He's an expert in fads. He's ahead He's of the curve. King. He's a fad king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's riding around in the truck with a dog. <laughs> that was Willie Nelson, not the fad king, but still. Yeah. Oh, man. I want to watch that movie <laughs> again right now. I watched it recently. It's streaming somewhere, and it's fantastic. Oh, I saw that in the theaters. And I was, I was one oh. of five people in the theater for that. I remember specifically one night in my 20s being in Los Angeles and I decided I really need to see the movie and I drove to many stores trying to find the DVD and I was not able to do so. And this was before streaming. I could have just rented sure. it, you know. Sure. I really everyone to everyone see that in that movie is perfect. Yeah. Thomas Allen. You're also perfect, Thomas. Thomas Allen. This is heavy. This is heavy. What is it about the future? Is everything... Thomas sort of Allen... Knows the secret to the universe. <sighs> However, <laughs> it's so emotionally impactful, he cannot bring himself to tell anyone what the secret is. Good God. It's so overwhelming, he can't verbalize it. But he knows. Didn't that just happened in a comic book. Did it? Yeah, there's a com- there's one of the comics is that somebody like saw how they end and now they can't talk about it. Is it? Maybe. Oh, Thor. I think that's it. Thor. That happened yeah. in a Thor comic. Yeah. So anyway, Thomas knows what the secret of the universe is. We all want to know what, why are we here, what's the deal, what's the secret. He knows. He's so overwhelmed <laughs> by knowing he cannot say it. I don't blame him. It's a burden. I think that's fair. Okay, so uh, next up we got Peter Vaith. Mm-hmm. His pheromone teeth. Pheromone teeth. Teeth emit pheromones that he can use to influence the actions and behavior of others. Pheromone like, like pheromones, just that they just come from his teeth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can he control them? Yeah. Like, oh, I got to really charm this situation. I'm going to release more pheromones. Yep. All right. Yep. Patreon.com slash fanboy, Peter, Thomas, Fernando, and Tony. Thanks for being patrons. Chris P wrote in and the subject line of his email was pick of the week, 780 formal complaint. Oh, boy. Here we go. Chris P. says, Good day to members of the Fanboy Syndicate. Upon listening to the <laughs> iFanboy podcast that you referred to as Pick of the Week 780, 
I was appalled that your, quote, hosts did not know that Gary Frank is in other non-superhero comics. It is their duty to be a wealth of knowledge and to know everything at a moment's notice. The fact that these hosts did not know that Gary Frank was the artist on Top Cow's Midnight Nation, written by J. Michael Straczynski, is... Never mind. I can now understand why. They may have removed this from their memories. My apologies. Forget that I sent this complaint in. As for your hosts, they are fine gents. Good day. Good day, sir. I did forget about Midnight Nation. I did. I completely disappeared. Well, there's the question. Did Straczynski finish that? I believe he did. Because I'll tell you, I'll tell you what he has a habit of forgetting is to finish series that he started. So the fact that he finished <laughs> it is a complete outlier. I, I, listen, I, I loved Midnight Nation at the time. I remember that being as one of those early mm-hmm. 2000s books amongst many early 2000s <laughs> books that really expanded my horizons about comics and what they could be. I definitely remember that. That was like one of those yeah. exciting like non-Marvel DC books that we all came across at that time period. We're like, oh, shit. Yeah. This book's incredible. That would have been the first time that I saw Gary Frank. And yes, I was for not sure. for sure anti-JMS. No, at not at all. Point. No, not at all. I was into it. I didn't get the book. I don't remember anything about it. I'm I remember really it was basically, really... it was, listen, this was 20 plus years, 20 years ago. Sure. But I think it was very similar to the show Heroes. That's what Rising Stars was. Oh, that's what Rising Stars was. You're right. Sorry. That was the yes. other Jason exclusive book. This that's was... the one I was into and in reading. Midnight Nation was 12 issues. Yep. Came out over two years. It's not terrible. <laughs> For Gary Frank. <laughs> Gary Frank drew all of them. And, and there was some sort of religious thing. I don't remember. Uh, I'm trying to... I don't even know. I try Doesn't to matter. Like a log line. For listeners who I don't... I think I would say that Straczynski is the only... Pretty much the only, I don't know if he's a working comic book, the current comic book creator who I just don't like. And I say I don't like, I don't like his work. I don't, I don't like the stuff. Right. And so it does make sense that I would forget. And I think even yeah. in retrospect, I don't like the stuff. Yeah, I, I remember really enjoying it. I remember really loving the Gary Frank art. Yeah. The Wikipedia entry says it's a religious-themed 12-issue series about a man who was killed and is on a journey to save his soul. I don't really remember much about that. I remember there was. Hey, like look, it's heavy handed. Angels and Check shit. Check that out. I think he was walking. <laughs> this was like an early look at walking yep. Superman. I think he was walking. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> Dallas wrote in and said, I'm writing in because it's become clear through listening to the podcast that all three of you, he means Ron, love New York <laughs> City. We'll get to that in a second. My wife and I'll be moving from Utah to Manhattan at the end of the month, May, to start Ooh. new jobs. A new chapter of our lives. My question is, what are the quintessential New York movies that we should watch to help prepare us for the big move? Now, I think, first of all, it's funny that a guy named Dallas has moved to New York. I think he meant this for the media explode. He didn't put that in the subject line, so it was missed for the media explode. So this is a lesson for all of you in listener land. If you want our email for the media explode, put it in the title of the email. Maybe he thought that would take too long. Listen, we're pulling it together last second. I'm off in 10 cocktails in. You got to put it in the subject line. <laughs> But I didn't want to leave him hanging because he is moving this month. So even though this is probably meant for our Media Blood show and it's about movies and not comics, I still feel like he sh- we should answer it because he's moving. I don't want to leave our, our listener Dallas hanging. Utah to Manhattan is going to be quite a culture change. Yeah, I know. And your name is Dallas. So it's a lot of stuff going on there. Let's return to the original point. All three of you love New York City. I was born and raised there. Ron was born and raised in Long Island. Josh was born in Long Island. Grew up in Maine, but lived in New York City. Josh lived in Queens. Ron lived in Queens. I lived all over New York. We've all lived there. 
I love it. It's my hometown. Ron loves it. Not say Josh loves New York City, though. I think you probably like that you lived there, but are happy you no longer live there. No, I liked that I lived there. I liked having done it. I love being there. It's like nowhere else on earth in so many ways. I don't think I want to live there again, unless for some reason, like I was an extremely rich person. And he says specifically he's moving to Manhattan. So either you're about to be overwhelmed or you did get a great job. (laughs) One of those two things has happened. Well, as he says, my wife and I are moving to start new jobs. Yeah. They've both got jobs in New York. But but again, that rom-com could go any direction. Sure. And this is also the time to do it because the rents, like everywhere else in the country. Yeah. Not we're not talking like 1980s levels, but they went down in, in New York. So this would be the time to move to New York. So the question is, what mm-hmm. movies and all the things that came to my mind immediately were things about what a shithole it was in the 70s. Oh, all, I had the same uh, same joke. So Mean Streets, yeah. Taxi Driver, The French Connection. Serpico. Serpico. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you show your wife all those movies and say, aren't you excited? You know what is a fantastic New York City movie? What? The original Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. It is a great, great movie. It's a great movie about Robert Shaw. Uh-huh. Walter Matthau. Uh, Walter Matthau, yep, yep, yep. Great movie. So. <laughs> Watch the whole 70s, and then you'll appreciate that. That's not how it is, yet that's how it was when I grew up. You know, there's all kinds of great movies set in New York, and the thing about New York is it's such a wide and varied place that there's different types of New York experiences. Also, caveat, I have not lived there in a decade. Yeah, I was about to say. I have say no it. idea what New York is like now, other than the few times I come visit my family at the holidays, and I don't really usually leave my mom's immediate neighborhood unless it's good to go see Ron. So these could all be totally wrong. But You've Got Mail is mm. a great movie about a very specific New York life, which most people don't live. Maybe you will be Upper West Side, wealthy. Not everyone's experience, <laughs> but it does give you a good New York feeling. So then the opposite side of that would be do the right thing. That's, that'd be very opposite experience of... It's almost know. completely opposite. Yeah. But You've Got Mail was based on something that happened to my neighborhood when I was mm-hmm. a kid, where Barnes & Noble's moved in and it put the local kids' bookstore out of business. That was the thing that really happened. It's a remake of a film called The Shopper on the Corner, but the actual plot uh, is based on something that happened to the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Also shot, one scene is shot across the street from where I grew up. Also, when Harry met Sally, similar kind of thing. It's not a New York that really exists anymore, as far as I'm aware, but it's a really kind of great New York movie, too. This is a stretch, but I do tend to think, like, and it was not shot in New York, but I always think Seinfeld is an extremely New York City show. I mean, Hmm. it takes place there or whatever, but there is some sort of, there is a a sense about it. Yeah, for sure. That is is a show that has more meaning to me, having, like, lived in the city and spent a lot of time there. Overlooked everyone driving cars everywhere. Which is a very LA. There's a, there's a lot. Thing. I mean, the lighting is all wrong, but yeah. you know, it's it's much cleaner. But just sort of the randomness of everything that can be going around you at all times. There's something to that, and and the sort of, I, I mean, uh, good every, Everything I think of is old. I, I'm trying to think of like what the new New York experience is. I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I I came to the realization this this past week. I've been gone for a quarter of my life. Well, I think we were pretty clear that Manhattan was changing greatly. Oh, I grew up in Manhattan. I, li- I was born and raised there. I lived there for the first 13 years of my life. It's not, yeah. that's not the same way. It is. Big, that's another one. But again, <laughs> that's that's a very different New York. I think we might need help on this. Newsies. Very different New York. <laughs> Gangs in New York. <laughs> Orange. Mulberry. Little water. 
Two others. Let's see. I'm looking up 20 best movies set in New York to stream right now. So here we go. Do the Right Thing, When Harry Met Sally, On the Town, Serendipity, The French Connection, West Side Story, You've Got Mail, Mean Streets. We, we've named a lot of these. Tell you what. Yeah. Uncut Gems. Uh, like Uncut Gems? No, Uncut, Uncut Gems, Gems is yeah. the most stressful movie I've ever seen. But that is the kind of thing that I think is always happening behind every mysterious door in New York City. Oh, yeah. And sure. there's, there's unlimited mysterious doors in new york city oh sure there's always going to be some shady shit going on behind there american gangster moonstruck was very good oh. at capturing that specific area of brooklyn in that specific time again this is 25 years too late again this is and this is um, again this is a bronx tale hmm. is a great new york city movie that sort of takes place in different parts of of the city oh i got one this came is out it, are you, you going to say crocodile dundee no but <laughs> this movie came out right a few years before I left. So it sort of captures New York at the time I was living there towards the end, which was New York, I Love You, which is an anthology film series. They've done New York, I Love You, in Paris. They've done Berlin. And it's all short stories taking place in New York City with big name actors, Ethan Hawke, uh, Andy Garcia, Natalie Portman, Orlando Bloom, Christina Ricci. Robin Wright, Chris Cooper, like James Caan, like big people doing short stories all around New York, different parts of New York, different scenarios. It's actually a good overview. I got to say, I think there's a lot, a lot of a value in watching sort of what New York City was mm-hmm. because a lot of that's gone now. But understanding that makes the city more interesting because it can feel a little feels very different than it used to but to sort of know that that's part of it 25th hour is an is mm. a great new york city movie also spike lee superman the movie it's metropolis well, it's really new york it's true it's you should true. tell everyone they've got a bad outfit at all times in new york that's yeah. what they don't people don't tell you until you live there for a while well if your name's jim i hope you i hope you have some ideas here Dallas. we've, we've named about Muppets 45, Manhattan, 45 movies most of them shot in the 70s so not really relevant to your interests but network You're going to tell me that's not relevant? Here, Man on a Wire. Oh, oh, God. Great New York City story from the 70s that's all about that city, I think. That, is that the, you're talking about the, the, the fictionalization or the documentary? The documentary. Oh, I watched the fictionalization with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm-hmm. And even though I knew I was watching fake movie, I, I still had that feeling. We used, to feel, we used to open the window of the Empire State Building and stick our heads uh-huh. out mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the theater. I was like, oh, how far away are we from anything anybody wants to listen to or why they started listening to this show? <laughs> Noah Bumbach movies, which I don't like, oh. are probably a pretty good version of what living in New York City is right now. I would also say that if you really want to talk about sort of more what it's like for, say, younger folk, uh, for broken folks, the show Girls is probably not all that far off. Right. It's, you know, fanciful to a certain extent. and, and well, It's uh, young folk it, with trust funds. Yeah, but, you know, that's what a lot of the city is. That's true. It's possibly that's the majority of what the city is. I would say, again, this is an early 2000s movie. This is sort of my heyday, but Coffee and Cigarettes, the Jim Jarmusch film, Mm -hmm. which again is a lot of short stories, but it all takes place in New York. And there is in it, so that's good. We have to stop this now. All right. I'm just saying, again, I apologize this wasn't in the media explode, but again, you got to put it in the the subject line because... 
You know what? I'm guessing most of the people who are listening like what we do here, like what we talk about, and have gone, oh, yeah, that movie. I should go see that movie. And if that happens to, to a few people, then I think it's all been worth it. But we are going to move around along. If you want to write in kind of contact at ifanboy.com, if, if you wanted to be on a media explode show, put that in the subject line so we can more easily find it. Tell us about the special editions. There are many. Yes. Yeah, so currently behind this show on the feed, we've done – We've in that we're in that pattern of doing pick of the week special edition, pick of the week special edition. We've been doing that for about a month. So from behind the show, you'll find the media split, which just came out this couple of days ago. We talked about Tenant. We talked about what's the best way to watch streaming shows weekly or binging them. We talked about what we've been watching. Fun episode. A little drunk in it because I had the aforementioned solo hangout before that. Before, behind that, you can find a special edition show about Justice Society World War II, the latest DC's universe animated film. And then behind that one, you can find a special edition show about Invincible, the uh, first season of the Robert Kirkman story animated on Amazon. So those are the shows you can find directly behind this one on the feed. And they're all a lot of fun. Coming up just at the end of this month, uh, there's going to be a Talksplode. I have it booked. I've got it ready. I will tell you about it after I record it. Um, and it might come out soon after that, before the end of this month, as promised, on time. Then after that, next month in June, you can look forward to a Booksplode about Injustice, Gods Among Us, Year One, the complete collection. That's by Tom Taylor and I think 462 different artists. Yeah, I have to really get on that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think I've read 20 pages of that collection, yeah. which is like 420 pages. Once you get going, you're not going to have a problem. I know, I just like, I keep thinking, oh, well, I, I, I should read that and I just don't do. So those are coming up. We look forward to those. Oh, it's your turn. Well, sure. You can head over to ifanboy.com. You can find all of our shows and our vast history of comic book writing from all the writers that we've had on the show. I mean, on the site for over the years. You can find all the podcasts that we've uh, ever done that are available. That's a, that's a little caveat there. That stuff's all there. You can go to uh, facebook.com slash ifanboy or at ifanboy on Twitter or at ifanboycomics on Instagram. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. We will do p- panels, best of the week in panels when we have time. Yeah, sometimes life gets in the way. Like, life finds a way. Life also finds a way to get in the way sometimes. Uh, 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 chaos. You can follow us individually at C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram and at J. Flanagan on Instagram. And that's the only social media you'll find us on because it's ruining the world. You can go to YouTube.com slash iFanboy. You can like and subscribe. Smash those buttons. Smash. Damn it. Smash the likes. Hey, guys, what's up? Okay. I'd like, what if a bunch of overexcited Gen Z people said exactly the same thing at the top of every single video? What about that? Well, they would make millions more than you ever did, Josh. Oh, that's great. That's good. Good for them. Uh, this past week, uh, you can see a mini, a new comics preview from a long time ago. By the way, uh, Dallas, you should find the episode we did about superheroes in New York City. Oh, yeah. Go, go, to, go to our YouTube page. Look up Super Cities. That's, no, I changed the title on the YouTube. Look through our catalog. You'll find we did a show about Marvel Comics locations in New York City. Watch it. Write down the locations. Check them out for yourself. It, it was fun. That's fun. Yeah. The Emerald City Comic Con 2009 video we did. And the vault show about books that Ron got us for Christmas, which means that Kane was one of them. I believe. No, 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 no. No, different one. It was Young Avengers for you. Okay. This was during the heyday. It was Young Avengers. I feel and like it was I bought Super, that. Superman Whatever. Red Sun. No, he bought it for you. Superman Red Sun. And then we just did a random book for Ron because he obviously didn't give himself a present. Also, Emerald City Comic Con. This is Ron Week, by the way. Was just Ron by himself. Uh, for some reason, neither one of us went. I was going to say I didn't go to that. In 2008, Emerald City Comic Con might maybe my favorite comic book convention experience. Yeah, I don't know why we didn't go. It was just Ron and Gordon on that one. 
Weird. Mm. I got very, very sick on the way home from the 2008 Emerald City Comic Con. No, no, like that was WonderCon. Nope. I got WonderCon, you, you got time both too. times? You and I got like deathly ill on the way home from WonderCon. That was the way from home from WonderCon. I'd had a, I had an event on the plane from Emerald City. Oh, well, I'm sorry uh, about that. If you like the show a, and like all this discussion about long, old history and movies and things like that. An illness. Write a review <laughs> or leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever podcasts are sold, wherever they're aggregated. There's all kinds of places you can get them now. Uh, even better than that, tell your friends, your mom, your child, your letter carrier, your vaccine workers, your haircut person. Josh just got a haircut. Did you talk about oh, the show, Josh? No, I don't talk to her about that. Okay. I can tell you this, though. She's purchased, but has not taken delivery on too many donkeys. Okay. Helps for the iFan by Love. That's exactly the right reaction. <laughs> and until next week, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Thank you. Welcome to